I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. to ESPN's The Far Post podcast, apologising right off the bat for the construction noises you may be able to hear in the background. Sometimes life really do be like that, but we are very excited to be back talking dub for another week. It's our last pod for 2023, which is insane when you think about how many god dang pods we have done this year. Um, But we're very excited. We're going to be finishing on a high because the A-League women delivered this week. There were some absolutely cracking cracking results, so we can't wait to get stuck in. Before we do, though, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri and Gadigal people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. For this last episode of the year, we have me, Marissa Lodanik, Anna Harrington, Sam Lewis, and Angela Christian Wilkes. So, friends... Let us end the year as we start the year and every other pod we do with some you love to see it. Harrow, did you want to start us off with a you love to see it? Always. I love to be first in this. Um, so my you love to see it comes from the Adelaide-Wellington game. Um, obviously Wellington took the league, but Adelaide's equaliser was really special. Um, so... For context, Emily Condon has had such a rough run with illness, with injury. Sam knows her from when she was playing in the in the junior national teams and that as well. Super talented player, just cannot get around it. Most recently was a long-term groin injury. Like this week was her comeback game and she came off the bench and then she produced a really, really wonderful equaliser um, where uh, Wellington goalkeeper Riley Foster has probably fouled um, I think it was uh, Chelsea Dorber in the lead up and the ball spills out um, and Foster's got to jump up again. But unfortunately for Riley Foster, the ball has spilled out to Emily Condon who just dances away along the edge of the box, dances past Riley Foster and just dinks it so wonderfully over all the Wellington defenders um, and into the back of the net. So it actually set the tone and Adelaide went on to, to win, uh, record an upset win. So Emily Condon making a comeback and doing it in style, you love to see it. We absolutely do love to see it. Angela, what did you love to see from this week? I love to see Harrow scoring a goal from halfway in our Monday Night Mixed Futsal uh, semi-final last night. That was pretty fun. No, I, I did love to see that. It was a great goal. We won the semi-final, by the way. We're through to the grand final and they're doing Three it nil. in January. So we have to wait. Like everyone's coming back. Oh, big Chris- Chrissy Pudbods. <laughs> It's because the, the, the semi finals got pushed. Semi got pushed back by like a uh, school concert or something, maybe a blue light disco because we <laughs> we play in a school hall. Oh, anyway, what are you gonna do? Um, anyway, my my job you love to say it um, was Rebecca Stott uh, scoring an absolute banger for City in um, their 
one all draw with the the Mariners on Friday night. Uh, she got the equaliser for City. When and Stop doesn't score too often. Um, the last se- season she scored was um 2019 2020, but when she does, it's always so much fun and it's always a banger. And this was no different. Um, she saw Sarah Langman off her line and just like did this like left-footed hoof from the 18-yard line and yeah it was sensational so stop scoring and she's such a fantastic person you just can't not be happy for her when when that happens so yeah stop scoring a banger you love to see it my brain took so long to compute when you started and you started with the word harrow I was like what players called harrow in the dub like it took me so much longer than it should have to click on to what you were saying but anyway Sam, what did you love to see from this week? So it's a trio of bangers from all three of us for you love to see us this week. Mine comes from potentially the wildest game of the round, Newcastle Jets 4, Western United 2. And there are a couple of uh, contenders across this game, but for me it had to be the goal from Serena Bolden to uh, the third goal for Newcastle Jets. It was it it was sort of like weirdly bizarrely simple. It was basically three passes from end to end from goalkeeper to Emily Van Egmond. Van Egmond spins in her final game and just dinks a beautiful little pass over the top of Western United's defenders. Serena Bolden doesn't even need to take a touch. She just lets the ball bounce once in front of her and then chips the goalkeeper in like a really insane angle and fashion and distance and like just tears off towards the stand with her arms wide. It was amazing. And perhaps the best part of all was that it occurred in the 69th minute. Nice. So Serena Bolden scoring a third goal against uh, Western United and helping the Jets to a pretty cool win. You love to see it. Nice. Uh, we I think we <laughs> we need to mention the send off, image like imagery marketing poster. The that, graphic, um, gets, God, yes. The Jets did for Emily Van Egmond. Uh, we weren't the only ones to kind of notice that it was quite funny. It's like somehow they've made a very tall woman look like a little boy, <laughs> and there's all these like plays. I think you someone else's body. At, yeah, again. clearly someone else's body. And just it's like a really terrible Photoshop. It's the kind of, I feel like it's the kind of like illustration that you do rapidly in Photoshop with your friends in the group chat, you know, and then you just stick a whole bunch of sticker Photoshop. planes all over like, it. Yeah, barely even Photoshop. Yeah, exactly. But it is like, it's clearly not her body. Someone has just like translated her face from some other thing onto just a random figure and then put this weird sheen. Yeah, it was uh, incredible. I loved it. And Sam Kerr and, also found like, it incredibly funny. Like Sam Kerr is Emily Van Egmond's best mate and posted to her 2 million or so followers being like, ah, I'm dead. Look at you. <laughs> and I think the graphic actually did get taken down uh, by the A-League oh, social. No. But, Sorry to that but, intern. It was cute. We I swear. hope it was an intern. <laughs> but it lives forever in our heart. But just Why not use an action shot of Emily Van Egmond? Why not use any shot rather than being like, Literally I'm gonna, anything I have else. to fucking use a profile one. <laughs> anyway. Oh, just we are experts in this field. So, um, Graphic design is my passion. Graphic design is all of our passions, actually. I've seen all of your efforts at graphic design. So, Tony Hatch. <laughs> Tony, Tony Akubra, baby. And Melon didn't <laughs> die, so 
it's fine. <laughs> anyway, we've gotten really off track here, but we're going to stick. We're going to stick with the Jets. We're going to stick with Western United and the absolute ridiculous 4-2 win the Jets had over Western United. The dub, she chaoses. It's what she does best and this is an absolute chaos result. Um, We obviously need to talk about the Jets and this being Van Engmond's last game as we've just discussed and like can they continue this form? Like, does it does it matter if Van Egmont is still there or not? Do they have enough to actually run with this and be fun and chaotic and a winning team, most importantly? It's funny. I spoke to Emily Van Egmond on Friday, I think, before her final game, um, and she was very much like, just wanted a, the good send-off. Um, I think she's relished um, being that mentoring role to a lot of those young players. They've got four young Matildas, I think, at the Jets. She's exciting to have some young talent coming through. Obviously, she relished playing under her dad. I think she seemed to think, because I asked her, you know, people will say this is a sugar hit, your move. Like, people will say the Jets can't necessarily sustain this. What What do you reckon? And she seemed pretty confident they could. I still have my doubts. Like, I feel like they're not going to crash and be in the doldrums of the A-League again, Sam. But, you know, it's obviously going to be difficult to really contend for finals without a player of the class of Emily Van Egmond, especially when you look at some of the players around the league, right, who are they're competing with for final spots. Yeah, and when you think about the output that Emily Van Egmond has had over these four games, she's had how many goals, how many assists in such a short amount of time. She is practically the reason why they're currently sitting in sixth spot. So it's going to be interesting to see how they go, particularly over the next probably five to six rounds. Like just looking at their schedule, they've got, Teams that they should be pretty competitive against, actually. They've got Wellington, Adelaide, Canberra, Brisbane, Sydney, and Central Coast Mariners. Those are all teams that are sort of up and around where Newcastle could be. But it really, I think, hinges on who, what kind of creative midfielder they can find to replace Van Egmont, who is going to be able to um, control the tempo of a game, unlock defences, and score a couple goals here or there in the same way at the same rate that she's been doing because can you imagine if Van Egmont had stayed for the whole season like the Jets would probably be probably be in serious finals contention if she's like if this is the the rate at which she's going um yeah so it's going to be it's going to be an interesting project I'm I'm really glad that Newcastle are where they are I'm really glad that they're playing better football because they've been one of those clubs for a while in the dub now where we were kind of they were a bit of a lost cause. It's like, well, you know, they've had manager after manager. They have all these different players coming and going and they just can't seem to find the magic source, you know, and they, they just can't pull themselves out of whatever is this thing. Um, so, yeah, the fact that they're not there anymore and they have a very different kind of vibe to them now is lovely. It's, it's good for the league. It's good for the club and for the region. Every time I watch games happening at number two sports ground, I'm incredibly envious because it looks beautiful. There's always lots of people there. Looks like a great time. So, yeah, um, it's it's a Christmas miracle. And it's a, a lot of credit goes to Gary Van Egmond for the way he's put together this team. We mentioned, you know, having Emily Van Egmond as your daughter is a, is a wonderful boost to have. Uh, but, like, the way he's gone around um, putting this team together with players that they know can play at the level, Atash Pryor is a particularly good example of that couple of good local talents, um, keeping a Cass Davis who's been that stalwart there. Players like, even though they've not had an impact yet, you know, players like your Mindy Barbieri who has has a decent ceiling. Um, Melina has almost scored in the weekend, came back after missing a couple of games. So 
there's a bit to like about about what the Jets have there. And um, again, they haven't. The only game they've sort of been blown out of the water, I think, was that four 0 loss to Melbourne Victory. They probably should have beaten Melbourne City if Holly McNamara didn't do a madness. They were right in it against um, Sydney FC until um, their goalkeeper had a bit of a brain snap and um, allowed uh, Courtney Vine to score the easiest of tap-ins. So they've been competitive, like in almost every game. So I agree with you, Sam. They should actually take it up to teams over their next few games. And, yeah, it's a long season, though. It's whether they can maintain that momentum. Because I don't think Van Eggs can come back for a second guest stint later on. It's true, but we would love a second Van Egmont guesting because she's just been fun to watch. Like that's it. She's made the Jets fun to watch. Like you, like you look at the fixture and you're like, Newcastle's playing at a time that I can sit down and watch. I'm absolutely going to tune in because they're playing good football. So, I think that's probably the biggest um, compliment you can kind of give her guesting. Like you. You wanted to watch the Jets because of what she and the team were dishing up. Um, you mentioned Melina Reyes coming back. Libby Copas-Brown is also coming back, and I feel like she could be really key to them potentially keeping um, this good form going. And the other thing is they're currently in sixth, so, like, if finals happened tomorrow, they would be in finals. So um, the expanded final series really could benefit some teams, and Newcastle might be one of those beneficiaries. But... Let's move on to one of the other chaotic results from the round. Adelaide 2, Wellington 1. If you said to someone at the start of the year, Adelaide 2, Wellington 1 would be a surprise upset result, people would look at you like, what do you mean? I don't understand. That doesn't make sense. Um, But we now live in a world where Wellington are like top four, one of the best teams in the league. Adelaide were winless up until this game and it was actually a really massive result for them to finally get that first win on the board. So how did they do it? Is this the start of Adelaide's season and should the Knicks be worried at all by dropping these points? Well, if you look back at the game and by looking back at the game, I also mean if you look particularly at the highlights of the game, one of the stars of the show is Adelaide's goalkeeper. <laughs> a lot of the highlights feature Annalie Grove making a whole bunch of very, very good saves against the Wellington Phoenix. And we've seen a number of games throughout this dub season where the goalkeeper really has been the MVP. The goalkeeper has been the player on a team that has essentially led the rest of them to victory just by virtue of them having a ripper. And that really was this game because Wellington had 16 shots and while a whole bunch of them were just a slightly off target, there were some skims off the post. There was a couple of bits here or there. Annalie Grove was also very good um, and credit to her because she, you know, has struggled a little bit this season as well. Um, so for her to be able to pull out a performance like this against Wellington, who are a team who are absolutely flying and have, I think, one of the best attacks in the whole league was very impressive. And what it eventually did was it created a small opening for Adelaide still trying to click attacking weapons to not only equalize, but then find a winner as well. So yeah, full credit to, to, um, to the goalkeeper and to credit to Adelaide credit to to them for not giving up because they have had a very rocky start to this season, as we've discussed. Um, I, I think Stenter has really struggled to find the best combination of players, particularly in the front third. Um, Emily Condon coming back is so important for so many reasons, not just because she scored, but because of 
the the maturity that she shows, her game awareness, her footballing intelligence, the decisions that she makes all the time are pretty much the right ones. So to have someone like that in a position like that, being able to feed the kinds of attacking players that Adelaide now has and them kind of like rediscovering the the vibe that they had. Like remember a couple of seasons ago where Adelaide was really good. They had that really great combo of players. They had Condon, they had Dorba, they had Dylan Holmes, um, they had the Hodgsons. You know, it kind of feels like they're getting back into that old school kind of rhythm again, which is really exciting because they played great football back then when they had that spine of players as well. So yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to see what Adelaide can do. And I think they're a club, as you mentioned before, Marissa, that could really benefit from an extended season because, you know, if this was still the old format, they would pretty much be out of the conversation altogether just based on how they've started this this one off. So, um, yeah, as for Wellington, I think it, this is just a blip and it's just one of those games, I think, where the, the ball just doesn't want to go in its home, you know, and sometimes that happens and that's okay and you just have to pick yourself up and keep going. Um, but it's 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 still really in the same way that the the Jets Western game. This is really good for the league yep. because anyone can beat anyone, you know, which is great. It's exactly what you want. It's the way to create investment, local investment in your team as well. Get you excited about your local club and and wanting you, you to to keep watching to see how this thing is going to end up, um, which is awesome. So yeah, um, it's it's. I don't know, from big picture stuff, I think it's great. And Wellington, obviously they're a young team. They've lost a couple of players to ACL, Vandermeer and Wisniewski. Um, they Chloe not leave. Um, a lot's piling up at once. We just had the international break. You can have some tired players um, playing their first full games back. Yeah, it's, it's going to be tough, I think, for Wellington to sustain it just because they've got so many young players. This is where their more senior ones are going to have to step up and sort of pull them over the line to get points in some of these games, like not conceding the second goal. Like, I mean, you look at a, I think a Melbourne victory or even a Sydney FC are a good example of this, but victory in particular, they went for a month there, they sort of went win, draw, win, draw. They're, they're six games unbeaten. And that's where you take that heart from. You're not coughing up all the points. If you're still grabbing one, like in a 22 game season, like you, those add up. Like, so I think that's going to be one of the things for, for teams like a, a Wellington in particular. It's even something the Jets have done quite well. They've they've snagged a few draws here and there as well. It's um it's going to be a, something for them to <clears throat> sort of manoeuvre through the second half of the season when your young players get tired, more susceptible to errors or to, to being overrun by more experienced heads. And as you say, Sam, it's some of those experienced heads for Adelaide that really did prove the difference um, on the weekend. Um, but yeah, it, and also, like, when we talk about how open the league is, doesn't it just underline how important the decision to expand was? Because it's allowed this league to be more open. It's allowed teams to have a stuttering start or Sydney FC to go away for Asia and not have it upturn their their whole season. It's allowed teams to bolt away early without necessarily wrapping up the league within 10 rounds. Like, it's so good. And it, and it does feel so open. It feels so competitive. And, um, yeah, I'm super excited to see how it progresses as we get deeper in because it's, it's going to be a marathon. Um, and I, I still feel like your Melbourne victories and your Sydney FCs are going to be the teams to beat at the end of it because they've got such, like, match-hardened players who um, don't mind doing the grind. But it could also open the door for other teams, like an Adelaide, you say, Sam, or I'd know even if a Wellington can overcome the tiredness, it, it could be really exciting come the tail end of the season because it's all still so close. And the top six as well obviously opens things up as well. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We don't yet have circle of dub if my harebrained diagrams at 1am Monday. <laughs> That's why we need to just slip in. Um, uh, are correct. But I, I think we will soon. Circle of dub is when everyone beats everyone and then it just goes into a, a circle. And that is when uh, the world is the most complete in my in my opinion but you're right it's um it's fantastic that I every season I feel like I'm like this one is the most competitive yet and then the next season even more like unexpected results happen so it's um it is really positive and I think in in the sense as well when we think about Adelaide not being their best as well even when you compare that to like I guess the seasons before they had that breakout kind of era when they were bad, they were really, really bad. And even though they're like second bottom of the table now, it's still not, it's nowhere near in the same range. And it's the same for Canberra as well. Like Canberra are going through a bit of a rough patch, but it's like, there's still an element of them being able to come out the other side and, and do something with the rest of the season. So yeah, it is, um, it is exciting. And um, I, I do wonder if this is kind of, because Adelaide have that, they have Holmes and Hodgson, the Hodgson's and um, now Condon's back and Fiona, not Fiona Wirt, she's at Sydney. I've just had a brain fart. Chelsea Dorber, the other blonde one. Um, they have Chelsea Dorber. And so it, it's been a bit of a puzzle as to why they haven't been able to kind of back, get back into their groove, but maybe this is just like the bounce that they they need with Annalie Grove as well, having um, such a great game and hopefully building up in confidence because, yeah, this round is an interesting one for goalkeepers. Uh, she was probably standout in terms of performances across the league but yeah go Adelaide there's two potential paths we can take uh from here we did have a question about what we've just been talking about so the openness of the league and basically the question from Tim on Twitter was like can you guys remember a time where the league was this open where we're you know eight rounds into a season and you could name a number of clubs who could win this championship and it's it, it's never been it hasn't been like this in so long so we can talk about that or we can talk about Angela's point about goalkeepers because we probably do need to talk very briefly about the Angela Derby and um Chloe Lincoln's bad day out because it was not uh, a good time for Chloe so what would we like to talk about choose your own adventure friends well, we've kind of addressed the the first question in in some respects, haven't we? I, I do agree. I don't I don't remember the last time the league felt like this, where it was not just this open where you could kind of bank on most of the teams 
to make it to finals. And that's not just based on the expanded format either. That's like could get to the top four of the ladder by the end of the season. And at the same time, I what, what I love so much about where we are at the moment is how unexpected the top four to top six actually is. I don't think anyone in their preseason predictions thought Perth and Wellington were going to be up there eight rounds in, you know, like that's, that's super exciting. I don't think people expected Sydney to not be in the top four. I think people probably thought Western United would be a little bit further up the ladder than what they are. So the unexpectedness of it, I think is what makes it so exciting. And the fact that there are teams that have been working for a couple of years now to produce the team, the core of a team that we are now seeing take the rest of the club forward. Um, and I'm thinking especially of Perth and Wellington. I think those are two projects that um, the clubs have been working on for two to three years now, sort of developing, honing um, particular kinds of players, finding complementary players to be able to to fit around them. Um, and now we're actually seeing the fruits of of that um, of that labour. So yeah, that for, that for me is the probably the best part is actually seeing these projects come to fruition finally. But Sam, I would note that Sydney FC to me do feel like the Death Star. They've that draw against Perth. They've just nudged their way up to fifth. They're two games in hand. I think if they won right, both, baby. they'd go up to like second. So like, <laughs> don't roll her up. <laughs> yeah. I just feel like they they can be a bit inevitable um, at times. So, dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, we shall dun, see. Dun, 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 dun. Yep, mm. we're coming for you. We're coming for you. Dun. God, I will say. I'll just quickly before, before we move on. I mentioned. I should have mentioned this when we're talking about Newcastle, but I did have like because I was not very kind to them in our preview. And I'm happy that they're proving me wrong, but I did have like a nightmare a couple of weeks ago where they got really, really good just to spite me. <laughs> and now I feel like, can I see the future? Can <laughs> I imagine? Like what's happening? Anyway, so I'm just getting ahead of the press on that one. Yes, I thought that they weren't going to do anything, but no one everyone's predictions were probably a little bit off. It'll be interesting if we go back at the end of the season and be like, what did we say about this team? Oh, okay. <laughs> right. But anyway, we've got so many delightful weeks of dub to go before we um, need to reflect too deeply on where we went wrong because so much can happen. Angela out here reverse manifesting is what I'm hearing. Um, do you want to quickly talk about the uh, the Angela Derby? Oh, yes. Go on, Angela. Uh, do you want to, like, a, a, my personal account? Because um, so I was deeply hung up. No. Uh, the Angela Derby is the best day of the year. It's the Angela Derby because I love Canberra and I lo- love victory. Um, and, yes, we alluded to how it was not the best day out for Chloe Lincoln. Um, and it was there was a few, well, two key moments there. So the first was victory's first goal. Um, in the first half she kind of like I don't I think I feel like the ball just kind of bounced over her diving body it was just like unfortunate that if she had the timing had been slightly different she probably would have gotten some body part on her and it wouldn't have been a goal but it just like was kind of 
Yeah. It was a weird one. Yeah. It was like it broke the law of physics. That, yeah. Um, and so that wasn't particularly good. And then Victory had a lot of shots. Uh, I think I can't remember the final stats, but friend of the pod Tom like read out through like about three quarters of the way through the game. They'd had like 23 shots and a, a lot of those were on target, but they were just not particularly clinical. So I guess Canberra can be grateful for that because Canberra weren't really, they had like two. They were not getting anywhere near to um, their own their own goal, and by the end of the game, it was just kind of like hopeful long range stuff from the likes of Michelle Heyman. But the second moment that made it a bad day out for Chloe Lincoln was she got a red card in the second half because she trod on Rachel Lowe. So Rachel Lowe kind of went to round Lincoln as she came out, and then. Um, I don't think it didn't seem malicious. I think it was just like a bit of a brain clumsy fart and yeah, clumsy. And I just, I did feel for her. And then um, Coco Mastrovic, I think I'm saying that correctly, or Mastrovic um, came on their second goalkeeper. And I felt for her as well because it was, she had a bit of, she seemed quite panicky. There were some moments where it was like she was coming out of the, the box completely and just like clearing it in chaotic ways but that's to be expected when you've kind of got your backs against the wall um you're under a lot of pressure you're the second goalkeeper haven't had a lot of game time if any this season so yeah it was a um it was I think a comprehensive win for victory overall it was a bit yeah a bit disappointing to see Canberra not be able to provide much as well um after last game and especially as well we the good news of Vesna coming back into the fold and um not having a serious injury but um victory were able to kind of close her out of the game and yeah it was it was for victory I think it's just kind of confirming that they've consolidated they've they know what they're doing they've got a solid core to the team now Lana Murphy is just growing week to week Rachel Lowe as well I think she would have been disappointed to not um get more from this game um yeah and and Tori Hansen in the um back line while Emma Checker is injured is actually to be honest I have nothing to say and I think that's good if I don't notice what a center back is doing that means they're doing a good job typically and so I've been quite pleased with how that's all um puttering along as well it felt like a really professional win from victory they could have banged in a few more goals but they never looked really under threat um I like that you mentioned Alana Murphy because I think she's almost gone on the radar a little bit. She's been one of the best midfielders in the league this season. I don't necessarily mean the best, but she's been fantastic, um, especially with Elise Kellen Knight hitting form. Um, it's really getting the best out of Murphy um, uh, because I think the last two weeks in particular, starting with that Wellington game, you can tell KK just seems so much more relaxed and she's hitting form. There's not that pressure to get back for a World Cup, obviously, after injury. She's hitting her straps, dictating play, and it's allowing Murphy to just sort of ball out in front of her. Like some of her her passing, some of the balls that she's playing, she's not afraid to run with the ball, to move. Um, and it seems to really complement each other. It's a really nice fresh look for victory, the KK Murphy with Rachel Lowe midfield. It's working really nicely. Um, and Lowe, um, I know she didn't score yesterday, but she's been so good with those late runs into the box and really dangerous sort of going forward. Um, they're 
expect to get Emily Gilnick back next week as well. I imagine that will initially be off the bench because Aquino's now scored in three games on the bounce. A really nice finish as well on the weekend. Um, but, you know, she's still got to round out her game. But for them to have that competition there, that's that's really exciting. Um, but, yeah, Murphy has just been – I really like Jamila Rankin as well, actually. I think she's been playing like a far more mature, which makes sense, right, mature version of herself. She sort of just can get knocked down and she just bounces up and then knocks the other person over. Like she's got a bit of angry about her, which I quite like. Um, but Alana Murphy has just been the standout, I think. She's – just um, plays beyond her years. Um, she's calm. And I think Victory are really reaping the benefits. And Victory and, Sid- and I think Sydney FC do this really well with their players as well. They were really patient with her a couple of years ago, like when she had the ankle knocks, not playing her, like playing Amy Jackson ahead of her and making sure she got herself right because I think they knew they had a player that within a couple of years would be a really, really big asset for them. And, you know, they might only have her for a couple more years before she earns a big move because she- She's that highly rated at victory, but also national teams-wise, junior national teams-wise, um, she's just controlling games and she's got the work rate. It's um, Yeah, it's been really exciting to watch, like her go up another gear. Um, and it does, you know, it'll raise a question because I think a lot of teams in the A-League women will be looking to sign Alex Chidiak and victory will clearly be among them. You'd think of Melbourne City, given she's Melbourne-based, even a Western United, Sydney FC have tried before. Um, but they'll all be thinking about how much cash do you spend to bring in a really, really big asset versus what have you got already and does that throw off a balance? So um, it'll be really interesting to see a victory move for Alex Tidiak, um, given how well their balance is going or if they want to, you know, go for her and, and, you know, add extra competition because I, I would imagine they'd be one of the front runners. So, yeah, but I, I'd hate to see that come at the expense of an Alana Murphy play really well. Yeah, Sydney and Victory are both good at, like, the sushi train. I don't know why my brain's going there. In terms of, like, player development, I've just been <laughs> like, no, nah, not right now. Next round. Next Ah, oh, here we go. Ah, oh, delightful. You know, like, instead of just, like, if you think of other teams, perhaps they've got something in the slow cooker, they're cooking. Anyway, sorry, it's, um, I haven't eaten breakfast yet today, so my brain's going places. Me either. But I hope that makes sense to our listeners. <laughs> And I also think just quickly, it's, it's worth complimenting Melbourne Victory for how they conducted themselves against Canberra, especially in shutting down Vesna Milivojevic, because not a lot of Fantastic. teams have been able to do that. Yeah. And like Vesna, it really is the reason why Canberra has won any games at all. Um, she She's clearly been one of the best players in the league. She is sort of above and beyond in terms of talent from the players around her um and so the fact that she did next to nothing in this game is a real testament to how well victory worked as a unit in order to shut it down because clearly they came into this game knowing that she was going to be their biggest weapon um and uh, without Vesna, Michelle Heyman really can't do anything either because there aren't that many other players who are able to creatively feed someone like uh, like Heyman either. So, yeah, that, that was the only thing that I wanted to say. Like, Vesna being back is great. We're extremely pleased that she hasn't uh, done the, the dreaded um, three-letter acronym. Um, it's just a shame that she came up against Melbourne Victory in her first game back and then had to do um, so much for so little reward. How, have you ever seen a player just bodied yeah. so much, Sam? Like, I reckon, like, not illegal blocks, but just 
enough of a touch that yeah, she couldn't get space. Clearly like, the game plan, right? Oh, yeah. Well, they, you shut down Milivojevic and Heyman and there's not a whole lot of other outlets, right? Like you're basically yeah. relying on long bombs to Nikki Flannery and it's pretty hard to expect her to do it all, right? Like I thought it was – I agree, Sam. I thought they just handled it. It was like a masterclass in how to handle a star creative player, like without giving away totally. too many fouls to put yourself under pressure. Yeah. They did that really, yep. really well. Bit of a blueprint. An excellent yes, blueprint. Oh, sorry. Bad no, job. no, go. I was just going to say, yes, Vesna. Yes, shit party. <laughs> back to my Vesna, no party last week. <laughs> oh, goodness me. Um, Yes, I'm going to move right along. Um, The other results we had this round were draws. So we had the Mariners and City drawing 1-1, Brisbane and Western Sydney drawing 1-1, and Perth and Sydney playing out a scoreless draw. Any quick takes on any of those games? Anything we learnt about teams from draws? Just I think Melbourne City need to figure themselves out pretty quickly. Um, I know they won a week after losing Holly McNamara, but the last two games they've really struggled. It's been a lot of possession for not a lot of reward, which has been one of their problems over the past couple of years when they're not. Scoring goals, um, yeah, and I think it's going to be fascinating to see how the Melbourne Derby goes this week because we just talked about how professional victory are and how good they have been at taking their chances and, and putting games away. And, and Melbourne City have, have been the opposite, to be honest. Even when they've scored three, four goals, they're often conceding a few as well. They're, they're a bit leaky. So I think there'll be some um, – and I know they've got a lot of young players in that mix apart from your, your Stotts and Wilkinsons and your Bubs. Um but they got to sort it out because you can't realistically be a contender. And I think we all thought they would be a contender, obviously, when they had McNamara. But if you're, you're leaking so much, they need to, um, yeah, crack on and figure it out, to be honest. They've done back four, back three. Um, but they what they really need to do is, is steady. I wonder if bringing Aaliyah Davidson back in more frequently will help with that, just for a bit more stability. But, yeah, it seems like something they need to sort of sort out now before it starts to result in, um, in dropping more games, to be honest. Um, with Brisbane, I'm interested because they still haven't won under their new coach, but they're getting those draws. And I don't know, uh, Harrow, do you see that in the same kind of way as, like, what you said about Newcastle and victory, that they're able to get points when the opportunity like they're not able to get the wins, but they're able to get quite a few draws. I just feel like at the moment, because they had such a interesting start to the season, beating Victory and then Sydney, but now they've just kind of fallen off the radar. I don't really know what to make of Brisbane um, and if they're just going to slip further away, which seems to have been, that seems to have been the trend in previous seasons, at least, is like they seem to increasingly become less relevant as the season goes on. But I don't know if that's the case. I don't know. Maybe I should be paying more attention to Brisbane. Sorry to Brisbane. Yeah, that's just a, that's just like, what are they doing? What's up? What's up there? Because, yeah, they haven't won in a, in a bit. <laughs> On the topic of teams who kind of need to sort their shit out uh, ASAP, I think Sydney FC is probably in that same category. They really haven't 
found their groove this season, which has been a, a real shame. And we've spoken about this in the past where I think, you know, major injuries at the start of the season, especially to Nat Tobin, the captain was sort of a big domino starting effect situation where there was kind of this knock-on thing. And then Courtney Vine obviously being injured as well with Matildas. Um, that's really thrown a spanner in the works, I think, of the of the plan that Sydney had. So, no, I, I don't envy Ante Juric at all, having to basically throw in a whole bunch of youngsters, sign you know players for re- replacement contracts for a couple of games. Um, it seems like a really disrupted vibe at the moment. Um, I think the nil nil against Perth, who are still top of the table, was you know it was it was not a, an amazing game, um, but it was probably like the kind of game that Sydney needed to pull themselves through in order to get to whatever is the next level that they have in themselves. Um, like they, they probably should have won the game just based on the the amount of possession they had, the number of chances they created, the number of shots they had. Um, but, uh, but to, to be able to do that considering their circumstances against Perth who are in ripping form at the moment and to keep Perth relatively quiet as well, I think was, was quite good. So I'm hoping from a Sydney perspective, that the next couple of games, as we mentioned before, they've got a couple of games in hand due to their um, uh, responsibilities over in the Asian Club Championship, um, and now they're gonna they're coming back in with a run of games against teams that they should do fairly well against and pick up quite a couple of points. So they start off with Brisbane, then they've got Wellington, which could go either way. They've got Canberra, they've got Central Coast, they've got Western United, and then they've got Central Coast again. So. I think over the course of those games, we could see Sydney probably jump up into the top four, but it really does depend on their front three in particular really starting to fire because they haven't quite found the thing yet. Um, I've really liked Shay Connors whenever she's been coming on as a substitute. I think she offers a little bit more than what Fiona Wirtz does at the moment. So I'd be curious to see whether the the starting substitution dynamic switches between the two of those strikers. Um, yeah, but I, I'm... I have faith. I always have faith in Sydney. I think that this is just a bit of a blip. And again, the extended season is going to um, come and save their asses. It was always going to take time after losing the Hawk as well. So many of their chances came through Mackenzie Hawksby. So finding and Sarah out, Hunter. Yeah. And Sarah Hunter. And even Charlie Rule as a, as a fullback as well, right? So it was always going to take time to adjust. Yeah. Again, Death Star. Every time you say Death Star and I do the Jaws music in my head, so make that one make sense. (laughs) Um, Anyway. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Let's move into a boot, friends. It's a boot into a how good. So who would like to tackle this week's boot? Harrods or yours? Yeah, um, obviously, uh, when we were initially planning to record um, Monday at 8am, that would have been before this announcement came out. It's a good timing for all of you. Um, but it really did get sprung on the general public. The Matildas are, of course, going to... We love this. The Matildas are going to play their Olympic qualifier against Uzbekistan in glorious Melbourne. Fantastic. 
unfortunately not the MCG um, for those who wanted a record crowd or Amy Park for those of us who love the vibes. It's at Marvel Stadium, so the third best option. Um, four days after a pink concert, let's see how that goes. Um, but that's not our boot today. Um, my boot is, um, and it's come up, Angela mentioned it before we recorded, um, a friend of the pod, Ben Williams, has tweeted about it. A few people have tweeted about it. The timing of tickets going on sale for this game. Uh, fantastic uh, that people are so interested. But a week out from Christmas, the game gets announced at 10am. Tickets go on sale to uh, Football Australia account holders at 12 and the rest will go on sale on Wednesday. Was there not anyone that thought we're a week out from Christmas? A lot of people have already budgeted their, you know, skint, their looking at how to spend their money. They haven't necessarily planned. I know some of the tickets are quite affordable, to be fair. Like I've seen some adults starting at around, you know, $30, concession 23, kids, I think, younger. Like, you know, fair enough, they are pretty affordable. But just in terms of the scramble, a lot of people work during the day. (laughs) Like expecting people to be able to log on at 12. I had a day off yesterday, so I'm I'm the sort of person that would have been fine, right? But plenty of people are working. They can't jump onto Ticketmaster ticket website at um, 12 o'clock on a random weekday without prior notice, right? You've got to book it out. If you're Marissa, you're, you're booking out your little office uh, with wonderful lighting. But I just felt like it would have caught so many people on the hop and it would have been so difficult for people. Like I know people who couldn't log on until the evening and then most of them are gone, right? Whereas if you'd been able to plan even if you had them go on sale the first week of January, or you just advertise the football sale will happen on Wednesday, even that's two days' notice, and then fully on sale on a day later. And I know there's things like Victorian governments involved, that the Premier at the announcement, but I just feel like it's something that could have been done with a bit more thought to allow people more of an opportunity to to plan. To And I, I'm, not, I'm not personally someone that's missed out on tickets, but I know people who have. Um, it just feels like something that could have been done a bit smoother in that sense rather than forcing a scramble, forcing people to jump on. Like they might not have even heard about the announcement, let's be honest. If they were at a meeting or if, <laughs> or if you're working at a school or something, you might not even see the notification and then it might be too late to grab your ticket. So it just feels like something that I know so many people want tickets and it's fantastic. It just feels like something that could have been a little bit better organised just to, to maximise opportunities for people. That's That's... It's, it's not a big boot. It's just a little boot. Just a little, be a little bit more considerate boot for whoever set up the, t- the ticketing situation. But obviously the how good here is that those who were able to scramble snapped up 25,000 tickets on day one of them being on sale, which is, I, I want to say that it's a madness, but it's the norm now for the Matildas. Like a Tilly's game on home soil goes on sale that is the hottest ticket in town. So um, it is a boot into a how good because 25,000 tickets for glorious Melbourne. We know that uh, Marvel's capacity is about 50-odd thousand. So there should, there's no reason this game shouldn't sell out. So it's it's exciting. It's cool that these are the times we live in. And as Harrow mentioned, the, uh, the general public on sale is midday Australian Eastern Daylight Time on Wednesday. So... If you haven't got your tickets yet, that's when to uh, book the meeting room at work or uh, excuse yourself. Um, I don't know if people are going to buy tickets in the in the bathroom stall on their phones. I don't. You do whatever you got to do to get your Tilly's tickets, is what I am saying. But um, let's move into some other how goods. 
there's a couple of fun ones about. Does anyone want to go first with a, uh, a how good, Sam? Yeah, so we've been talking a little bit about how this dub season is one of the most competitive that we can remember. And I've been seeing a similar conversation happening in the Women's Super League. Uh, this most recent round has been pretty wild. We've seen a couple of teams beat a couple other teams that you really wouldn't expect. The most notable being Tottenham beating Arsenal 1-0 at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, um, which was an incredible occasion, a huge crowd, the big home stadium, um, a fantastic event. Tottenham playing some really, really nice football as well after sort of a couple of seasons not really doing very much. Um, and of course, against Arsenal as well, who were absolutely flying in the title contenders. And the other probably most notable result was Liverpool beating Manchester United as well, 2-1. Who'd have thunk it? Uh, yeah, so it's it's pretty exciting, actually, this Women's Super League season. I think a lot of people are, are really getting around it, even though the top four does look pretty much the same as usual. Um, there's only seven points separating the, t- the top five, which is pretty exciting. They were only 10 rounds into the season uh, and pretty much anyone can beat anyone. Anyone can lose to anyone, which again, as we've been talking about in the context of Australia, makes the league so much more exciting to watch for not just those who are already invested in their clubs, but for neutral fans as well. So yeah, I, I just, I'm just, how good, just football. How good. Football. How good. Um, Angela, do you have a, how good this week? Uh, in absolutely shocking news, uh, Nike responded to the huge demand for goalkeeper kits and put um, Mary Earps' goalkeeper shirt on sale and then it sold out, like, in an instant. So um, somet- this is sometimes why I'm like, the invisible hand is a load of crock because if the invisible hand existed, the free market theory about how like the market just knows the market just responds to things. I'm like, no, it doesn't. Women's football is a great example of why this is not the case, but this is a how good positive vibes. Thank you, Nike. Thank you for doing that. Do it again. And really looking forward to the release of goalkeeper jerseys for the Olympics. Um, specifically the Macca goalkeeper Jersey. I reckon we're going to see a very similar thing there where it's just gone out the door everyone's snapping them up also a heads up to our listeners I think someone may have actually I can't remember who flagged this with me but Rebel are doing clearance of their World Cup stuff now so if you're unsure what World Cup jersey you would like to buy make sure to check out our kit ranking pod which went live quite a while ago but I didn't know about it but anyway we go in depth in all our favorites from the world cup and a lot of them are on sale now so you can go and snap up some stuff for real cheap um and uh our wonderful listener Min did ask if we forgot some yes that is the answer I'm very sorry to any jerseys that weren't included in that video but it's quite it's quite chunky so there were some that were forgotten some that were the same as like men's kits so we went well you've already seen this and some where Mm. you no I'm not naming anyone someone somewhere the orchestrator of the kit pod got confused between different Mm. countries jerseys and we had to cut them out of the pod yes I actually got around that by not saying the name of the country. I just cut that out. So, listeners, don't try and guess, okay? Don't try and guess which ones I got muddled. And the best bit. Uh, but anyway, so the kit. Sorry. 
the best bit of it all is we recorded this pre-World Cup, so it was before any of them had any vibes from any specific game. For example, the Tilly's mint, teal, whatever you want to call it, kit, pre-Canada game, for example. USA kit, mm. before their very, very funny exit, etc. It's a pretty good, uh, pretty good uh, yeah. segue, I reckon. For Marissa's how good. Mm. USA, hilarious exit. Handballs <laughs> I don't know how funny the US found it, but I can tell you the people found it hilarious. So um, <laughs> the uh, my how good the sass queen herself, captain of our hearts, Samantha Kerr, uh, is a star of the new US women's national team documentary over on Netflix. Um, and I'm just scrolling my Twitter so I can find it exactly because. Um, obviously her fiance is Christy Mewis of the women's national team in the US Um, so she was a really big part of this doco so by virtue Kurt is as well and we got a real good insight into the dynamics of their relationship how they kind of banter how they sort of joke with each other and uh, Samantha Kerr Samantha May Kerr what a woman Um, she (laughs) The she's just having a conversation with Christy at some sort of gathering and she starts talking about uh, the US's defence and the way they concede goals. There we go. I've now found the clip. Sorry, everyone. That really took a lot longer than it should have. Um, so she, Sam Kerr is talking to Christy and she literally says, do you know you guys conceded eight goals this year, four offset pieces, corners to be exact? That's horrific. Half your goals come off corners. Do you not work on it? And it was just it's, – it's a clip that has gone so viral. Good. It has become like a copy-paste meme. Um, and I want do you not work on it on a T-shirt, on a cap, so on a mug, on a tote bag. It's so it's, Australian. I said this to you guys. If Sam Kerr had said, do you guys not work on it? Not funny. Do y'all not work on it? Not funny. But the choice of use is what makes this stunning. So um, if you want to just like laugh and agree with Sam Kerr, tune into the US Women's National Team documentary over on Netflix. But um, Sam Kerr just uh, given it. I'm sure they're very in love, but it like do yous not work on it? How good? Um, but Harrow, you had a how good as well. I do have a how good. Um, we love when we hear from people who tune into the pod, whether that's like on social media or um, elsewhere, or we get emails sometimes. Um, but the best is when we run into people who listen to the pod, um, a pod listener in the wild, uh, for want of a better term. And I had the wonderful experience this week of meeting one of our our listeners. Um, Her name is Annika and we ran into each other just on one of the main streets. This is in Melbourne. And she just goes, are you from the far post? And I was like, yeah, I I am actually. And uh, she told us that, um, she told me that she listens to the pod regularly, loves the pod, um, obviously introduced ourselves. yeah, she listens regularly. She had a really cool Tilly's hat on with some like badges or pins, like Matilda's related. Awesome hat. Um, she is a big Melbourne Victory fan, and uh, I don't know what the opposite of a fan is, but she is not a fan of Adriana Leon. Um, and said that we were very, very right with our assessment of her as uh, 
nemesis, bane of our existence, etc. She's not an Adriana Leong fan, but she is a Melbourne Victory fan, a big Tillies fan, and uh, most importantly, a Far Post Pod fan. So, Annika, hopefully you're listening. Big shout out to you. Thank you for your lovely words about the pod, and hopefully you keep enjoying it. And hopefully you got some Tillies tickets um, because they are in demand. So, yeah, running into one of our pod fans or listeners in the flesh. How good? How good? And the the anti Adriana Leon club it, it grows like it grows every single week. We ride, so yeah, seriously. We yeah. love that, Annika. Thank you so much for for bumping into Arrow and saying hello. We that's been one of the highlights of twenty twenty three. Just people coming up and saying hello, like. It absolutely rules. It reminds me that we're not just the four of us talking to each other, that we actually put this out for public consumption. Um, But anyway, that is us done for today. Thank you so much for tuning in, not only today, but for the entire year. As I said, we're going to take a little girl break, a little girl Christmas break. Obviously, the dub will still be dubbing, so make sure you tune in while you're eating your leftover Christmas foods and all of those kinds of things. Maybe you're stuck to the couch eating a zoopa duper. However you want to dub, you do you. But we will be back in the new year to catch up, obviously, on everything that we missed over the Christmas break. Um, but yeah, thank you again for tuning in. As always, we're over on ESPN.com.au and the ESPN app. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, all of the usual pod spots. If you like what we do, leave a review, subscribe so you get the episodes directly into your feed. If you want to have a chat to us, we're at the Far Post Pod on all social media. But until next year, have a, a happy Christmas, a happy holiday season. And see us. Oh, 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 oh,